when the elders asked me if I'd like to preach in January, I gladly said yes, not knowing what God wanted me to say, thinking, well, it's time. A few days later, they came around and said, we're doing titles for January. <laughs> well, they changed my Sunday. <laughs> well, at least I couldn't preach next week because I'm a Chorley. And uh, they asked me to preach this week. And they said, we're doing these titles, you see. Um, everybody's preaching on something new, you see. So I was given 48 hours because <laughs> they wanted to, wanted to do a notice. And I... Uh, was really given some thoughts by God of something that I wanted to share, which is really the essence of what I want to share tonight. And I thought of the title, Nothing New, you know, because I thought it'd be quite clever, <laughs> for one thing. For I've been sitting here tonight there, and the amount of times that we've used the word nothing or new during this service, if you'd been aware of, of, of the fact that there was a title for the message, if the notice board hadn't been washed off by the rain, um, you'd have been amazed how, how many times God we have used those words in the service um, tonight, you know, so it, um, it really amazed me. You know, it's, it's, it, it's nice to be at the front of a fellowship like this, you know, and to look around the faces, because like Judith has just experienced, it's nothing new to know that people love and care for you. Often, you know, when you go and take a service and you're the one that's going to share God's word, you're going to be the preacher, you feel very exposed and very nervous and very cold feet. Now I suffer from all those things, cold feet, nervous, not at the moment because I've got hot air blowing up the back of my trousers, which is very pleasant for all you who have got cold feet. Um, but I praise God that it's, it, it's nothing new. I can remember being at the front back in March, you know, when I was uh, in some trouble with, with being ill and, and needing, standing in the need of prayer and everybody gathering around and praying for me and to experience God's power there as we pray together and to know that at these times when we've sent Wendy out and now with Judith that we've known God's power together as we've prayed for people and it's nothing new I can tell you to expect that God's going to do things for Judith as she goes back to Kenya and is going to answer our prayers for her there and she's going to see things happen it's not something that we glibly do or that we has, has become a habit for us surely but it's something where we expect God to be going out and he's going to be doing things in this way and um, maybe it's nothing new for you sitting there on a Sunday night listening to another message at uh, whatever time and wondering how long this guy's going to go on for, you know, because I've sat there myself. <laughs> but it's something new when you're the one that's doing it, you see. <laughs> and it becomes quite exciting, you know, wondering what you're going to say. Because really, as I've prepared before God, this week, I've I, I felt him say quite a few things that, that I, I wanted to share, and, and so, some uh, one main thing, perhaps, that, that God wants us to share. Let's read. Anyway, and this is what gave me the title. Fits in with the title of nothing new. I want to read from Genesis chapter three. So we're right back to the beginnings. <laughs> Although the world is very new at this time, um, the message that we've got in here is the message of the fall of man <clears throat> Genesis chapter 3 now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made he said to the woman did God really say you must not eat 
from any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out to the man, Where are you? Amen. Nothing new, the story of the, of the Garden of Eden. There's a reference to it in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that I want us to, to look up to that incident. Here Paul's writing to the, uh, to the Corinthians. He's, according to the title in my Bible, he's, he's talking to, to some false apostles. Here, but he says this, I promised you to one husband to Christ so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And it's nothing new anyway for me in my life to be at the point where the devil is consistently trying to lead my mind astray from what God wants to teach me and wants to do for me and wants to, te and wants to turn me astray from being sincere I'm pure in my devotion to God. If you go back to the Garden of Eden situation, what an opportunity that couple had. I mean, we talk about having, we're being born again, we've been given a new life in Christ. We've got the opportunity of having God's word in front of us. We can, we can pray to God who hears us. Hallelujah. And we can enjoy his presence and we can be with him. But look at Adam and Eve. They were in the Garden of Eden and they met God and walked with him each night and each morning in the cool of the day. And still, with all that knowledge and with that presence of God, the devil was able to persuade them. I won't differentiate between who was first or second. <laughs> the devil was able to persuade them to try something outside that area of security that God has given to them. And you know, God 
has shown to me and has shown to all of us here who know God, who know Jesus Christ, an area of security, an area where we know our sins are forgiven, a place at the foot of the cross where we were reminded of again on Wednesday, where we can come and receive cleansing and receive the anointing of God, receive the fullness of God, a place where we can receive power and authority to live our lives down here as his people, a real purpose and a real reason for living. But you know, so often we get persuaded. Sometimes we think by ourselves, but we get persuaded by the devil to do things, to be things, to think things that are not of God and not God's purpose for us. And thinking changes into actions and we find ourselves going to that tree that God has forbidden. And we find ourselves with that fruit, nearly said apple, with that fruit in our hand. And before we know where it is, God's gone further away. And then we feel exposed. We feel naked before God. I don't want to dwell too long on the story. I want to look up another verse, Romans chapter 12. Sounds like Mike was, uh, I didn't, I, I haven't heard last Sunday, I wasn't here, you see. <laughs> you were preaching on renewal of the mind. It says in this verse, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now this verse implies, or at least I felt that he implied a few things that for us as Christians, and here um, he's writing to Christians, brothers, he says, in the view of God's mercy to you, I want you to do these things. I, want, I don't want you to conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, we've had this message brought to us by God before, but I just felt it was the time when God would remind us and remind me particularly of these things. First of all, I feel God would, would say to us by this that it is possible to believe in false reality in ourselves. Even as God's people, as Christians, we can build up a thought pattern, a thought theory on the way that we run our Christian lives that is incorrect. And every message we hear preached from here, every time God speaks by his spirit, we apply our set of value judgments to it. Now all of us are going to have a set of these built-in rules, whether we like it or not. Because we're, we're all, God's made us that way. God's made us to think that way. But I believe that for some of us, we get all twisted up. All of us are twisted to a certain extent, else we'd have the mind of Christ. But I feel God would want us to revive and a look at our minds again. Now this is nothing new for us. It's something that we need to be renewed in day by day. If 
Paul writes to the, in, in Romans and says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's implying that it's possible to be at this point of false reality, that you do need renewing, that you can get stuck at this place. How do we get stuck? We get false realities. Now, I've had a year in this last year where I've had some of my realities changed. Because I've had a serious illness, I've had time to, uh, to sit back. I've had to lie back some of the time when I haven't wanted to. And uh, you have to face consequences and you have to think thoughts. And God brings in life-shaking thoughts. And you have to revalue as to what life's about. And, and what reality really is. Often, reality for me was, what shall I do today to get happiness? What shall I do today when I finish work to relax and enjoy myself? Um, self becomes very important with us. What shall I do for my family even? Where's God leading me in my life? What, 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 what area of fulfillment does he want for me? Um, okay, we're established now. We've got a, a nice family. We've got a, a nice home. So reality becomes well I've, I've got to keep keep enough uh, money we've got to keep the business going well to get enough money coming in to keep it all going nicely and to and, and this is reality we're here you know so I tell myself and then all of a sudden God says well what about this then what about if I demanded your life off you this year hey what do you mean God I mean I'd got it all thought out you know Ah, but reality is eternity with me. I've saved you, you're mine. I've allowed you to be head of that family at the moment, but you're mine. What if I took you to be with me? Oh, sorry, God, I, I was thinking in terms of, well, I'm, I was only 40 last March, God. I, I'm, you know, with a bit of luck, I'm only halfway. I'll perhaps last till I'm 80. You know, I'll get over this. Yeah, but what if you don't? And so what if you last four months? If you survive four years? If you last 40 years? There's still eternity. Where's your reality? Where's your reality? Your thinking's rotten. Remember Tony Fitzgerald's phrase when he was with us? Stinking thinking. <laughs> yeah? hmm? from the, check up from the neck up, yeah. That's what we're on tonight, a check-up from the neck-up. God gave me a check-up from the neck-up by giving me something that was bad from the neck down, you know. <laughs> the highest place I've had treatment was just below my ears, you see, around there. So I was, uh, would you believe, my brain remained healthy. <laughs> I hesitate to say that's nothing new. <laughs> Quiet, sister. <laughs> Where's reality? 
Also, this verse obviously infers the opposite, that there is a, truly, there's a, there is a true reality in God to which I can conform and to which I can find. Paul says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of it, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That there is a place that God wants us to get to. There's a healthy perspective for our life that he wants us to get. There's a healthy evaluation that we can apply to things that are happening to us, to ourselves and to him. And if I'm to order my life before God, it's going to be necessary to, uh, to think correct thoughts, you know. When I got the gist of, 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 of that verse and, and God saying these things to me and feeling that this is really one such an important lesson that God said to me this year that it was right to share it in this way tonight, I started reading through, particularly through the letters in the New Testament to see how many times I could find this um, coming up verses to do with changing your mind or being filled with the knowledge of God and I've got lines all over the place <laughs> in my New Testament you know this is very important very important let's just look up uh, one more little passage just to keep us going because the word of God speaks so well for itself <laughs> but then I can explain it <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17 it's really funny looking up this because I've been reading a book called, um, oh, Jim Scotty, called Eyes That See. It's a book on spiritual discernment. <laughs> I'm always looking for something I haven't got. But, uh, in this book, he says you ought to beware of preachers who keep using proof texts from all over the place. And there was me with these, you know, <laughs> the finished book preparing what I'd got from God. And I said, oh dear, let's <laughs> throw my message out for a start, you know. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17. I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the, as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, sensitivity they have given themselves over to sensuality so, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught of him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Isn't that exciting? We can put off our old self which is corrupted by deceitful desires. And we can be made new in the attitude of our minds. The attitude of our minds, you know. Tom finished his message this morning by speaking of those verses in, um, in Hebrews about that, the mind that continually continues in sin. You know, and I, it's a hard word that, that Tom shared this morning, a heavy word. And I sat there and I thought, oh, you know. And you think, well, okay, I'm not continually lying. I'm not continually stealing. I'm not continually hating. But then I think, well, what about the sins I am continually indulging in? Continually proud. Continually 
envious, continually striving for my own ends. You know? What's black to God? What's sin to God? You know? Looking at your brother and saying you hate him continually is no worse than murder in the eyes of God. No better. No worse. It's black. Stinking thinking, you know. And yet, the Bible promises we can be renewed in the attitude of our minds and we can put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We're in a battle, aren't we? I've got to live in this body till it, till it gives up and does die, whether it's four months, four years, or 40 years, to carry on the analogy. And while I'm here, there's going to be a battle. If that wasn't true, Romans 6, 7, and 8 wouldn't be in my Bible, I don't think. You know. But I want us to be encouraged in that battle tonight and to be warned about that battle. I believe this is what God wants to, to say to us tonight. You know. I believe that as a Christian... I've got into trouble and haven't got on with God because I've compromised in my thinking about the fact of unbelieving that what God has provided and what God has got for me is the best. And I get confused and I think that there's something else that I need to keep on getting a bit of for myself or else what God's got for me isn't going to be the ultimate best. Uh, do you understand that? <laughs> You know, that, that, okay, you say, fair enough, God, I'm going to give my life completely to you, but as long as I can just keep doing that, or having a bit of this, you know, or I must hang on to that part of my life, or I do enjoy that, and I, and I, I don't want to give you that, God. I haven't got time for that. I know, I know you're challenging me about that, but it's not much, is it? Really? It's not much, that, just that, you know. We get into trouble because we do not believe what God has provided is the best for us or is true reality it's so easy for the devil to paint this world and say this is reality this is what you need the, the, the devil in the serpent said to the woman and to the man in the garden of Eden you need this that, that one tree that he, I know he's told you but that's the one you want you get that one and you'll be wise like God you know when he walks with you in the garden at night you know you walk down in a, in a, and he comes in and you say God, we've had this problem today, we did this, and he gives you that answer. You know, every night you get problems, don't you? During the day you get problems. Adam and Eve. Now, I believe this, you know, that when they talk with God, they just share these little, little problems that they had. Not sins, little problems they had. And God would be able to give them the answer. And the serpent somehow would say, well, look, you know, if you just get hold of that tree, you won't need you. You know, you won't need him, you'll be all right. And you know, God says to me and to you, I believe there's areas of security in your life, there's parts of your life, you don't need God. If you hang on to that part of your life, you're going to be all right. But if God gets you to give that up, what are you going to rely on then? You'll only have him left. And then, really, the ultimate question the devil's throwing in is, well, what if he doesn't really exist? He won't really bless you. See the subtlety of it. You're really getting challenged at the root of You might think it's a small thing, but the devil's persuading you. you know? And what the devil said to, 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 to uh, Adam and Eve in the garden was, well, he says you'll surely die, but you won't. You won't. 
And God brings a serious word to us like this morning and we compromise and we say, well, I know I should be obedient in that area of my life. I know I'm not praying as I should. I know as a, as a person and as a church, if we really want to see God move, that these kind of things we've had don't go without prayer and fasting. But, well, we'll fast sometime, perhaps not today. We compromise on things that God is saying to us, what God is speaking directly into us. Because somewhere, something goes wrong with what we really believe. Because I, what we really believe then, we'll be acting up, upon. Let's try and put it uh, another way. It's, I don't know if you can imagine a, a sort of a, a garden with a fence round, you know. The sort of garden that Bernard and Chris would like to keep the dog in. <laughs> Where it's very secure and you can't get out. I've only seen him in my garden once today, so we're all right. Um, <laughs> he was running with his tail between his legs, and I hadn't even thrown the brick then. <laughs> A garden, surrounded. Everything fine. Garden of Eden. We're inside. Really great. But God... We can see out of that garden. You can imagine this is your Christian life, that God has said, right, I'm going to build you in this fashion. You know, this is the place where I've put you. This is the place where I want you to be strong. These are the people I want you to minister to. This is the town I want you to witness in. I want you to be my witness. I want you to be a fool for Christ's sake. I want you to stand out and build. And you say, oh, yeah, great, great Lord. You know, this is wonderful, great stuff. Let's go with God. You know, and I'm sure Adam and Eve, you know, when they talk, I thought, well, you know, this bloke made this whole world in which we live, and he comes in and talks to us, and this is lovely. You know, just imagine that. Halfway through the day, they meet this serpent, you know, and he persuades them something different. And we're the same, we're here with God, and we feel secure. We feel love. Judith was surrounded by love. I was surrounded by love. I am surrounded by love, praise God. I wouldn't dare stand here if I wasn't. And, and we feel fine. But then along comes that devil and he tempts us and, and you know, suddenly we think, oh, you know, that looks all right, doesn't it, that, what he's offering? That'd be good fun, that would. I could enjoy a bit of that. Or, you know, it wouldn't be too bad if I just tried a bit of this. Well, everybody else in the world gets away with a, a little bit of cheating or an occasional white lie or... or, or uh, you know, whatever the devil tempts you, or, a, you know, a bit of a lustful look, it won't hurt you, you know, I mean, she's quite nice really, isn't she? You know, I mean, that won't hurt you, will it? Just a look, you know, or, uh, or, 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 well, I'll just watch this program tonight. I know I usually have a quiet time with the wife and have a pray, but she's a good girl. She'll go in the front room and do it on her own. I'll just watch the it because it's, it's the sport, you know, and it's the snooker, you know. She finishes today, you know. Willie told me the score, it's all right. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> you see, but you know what, what I'm saying is that there are times every day when the devil gets in at, at this area of this life and we feel somehow that there is something out there that we would like to reach out for rather than doing what God says is best for our life. 
you know. And we resent being saved almost. Do you? Do you resent being saved sometimes? You think, blow it. If I wasn't a Christian, I could do that. <laughs> oh dear, I think I could enjoy it. <laughs> the devil says, go on, enjoy it. Go on, Gordon, you enjoy it, don't you? And I said, well, I do really. And so I go and do it. Like an idiot. And then what happens? Sin. Isn't it? Say it like it is. It's not a slip up. It's not an accident. Sin. Disobedience. It's not a casual glance. It's adulterous thoughts. That's what Jesus said. It's not. You know, let's recognize ourselves for who we are. And then what happens? We feel guilty, don't we? And we're broken. Our relationship with God spoiled. Well, how do you get back to your quiet time? You need, that needs dealing with, isn't it? Because of our bad thinking, because we were, we didn't really believe what we say we believe. and we're resentful of missing out on something we think we might enjoy then we do it and then we're in that place of guilt yeah. <laughs> wounded unable lost all our power lost all our ability in God there's another thing that happens you know sometimes things can be going really well Praise God I'm here tonight and things are going really well. You're all smiling at me jokes and it seems like God's saying the right things. Hallelujah. But there's another thing that's more exciting for me is I am well. Amen. You know, nine months ago I wasn't well. I've not been well. <laughs> you get people, I've got a cold at the moment. But so what? <laughs> Someone can pray with me afterwards and we'll get rid of it, you know. I had the shingles a couple of weeks ago, but it only lasted a few days because people were praying for me and it hasn't stayed. You know, and not really any side effects. Sometimes the devil gets in and gives me bad thoughts, you know. One of the big problems for people in the, in, in, in the fight against the, the, the disease that I had is stinking thinking. You know, they are defeated. You know. Not all of them. I've seen some tremendous battles going on and some tremendous victories outside of Christianity and outside of faith in terms of, of, of claiming healings in, in, in the hospital there but praise God, I believe God is the one that was at work in me because I'm not that strong I'm not that good, I might be a big strong feathery but I can get down emotionally with these things but praise God, he's given me strength and he's brought me through but it's not been my strength, it's been his strength given to me and I'm really praise God for all the people that have been praying and do pray you know and consistently pray that's amazing you know and it does good things you know keep on praying you know and God will keep on acting God will keep on healing and keep on working I was thinking when I came along tonight I thought well it's really silly you know if I've got something serious wrong with me again all flare up I should say look here I am I don't need to preach I want you to come and minister to me I want you to pray for me because I've got a dry throat and a blocked up nose, I think, well, we'll just shrug it off. 
God wants us to bring that as well. Yeah. God wants us to keep on bringing these things so that eventually he can bring us through to healing, I believe. Yeah. I could talk a lot about healing. It wasn't the subject I got. It seems it doesn't always heal. And sometimes there are, sometimes there are reasons, sometimes there aren't, praise God. And, you know, there's so many things that, 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 that we could say. But, you know, the, the thing I started to say then, looking back at my notes, he says quickly, <laughs> was that when things are feeling fine and going well, and when we're well blessed, which really, looking back over, over this last Christmas, over the last few weeks over Christmas, I've, I've been in a place where I've been so well blessed. Really, the, the, the treatment that I was having for the disease, the chemotherapy, was, was hard going. I didn't like it, not a lot. And it was tough. And I was taken off it because they thought I looked well. And I thought, praise God, I'm well. This is back in July. And I started to get stronger and my hair's grown nice. You know, it's starting to fall out. Gets to the end of September and as you all know, they said, no, you've, we've, we've done a scan and you've still got some of the disease. And, I went, you know. and after a couple of days, I really accepted God was saying that I was at the point of healing even as Jesus prayed for that person that blind person and they, he said how do you see and he said well I'm, I can see people like trees walking remember and Jesus uh, prayed for him again and the next time he could see perfectly and I thank God that that was a stage I believe I was at where I was sort of at the stage of seeing people like trees walking and I needed some more healing and that included some more treatment but that treatment really wasn't too grievous it went past quite quickly it was better than the treatment I was receiving before so looking back over the year as a whole it's been more comfortable doing it the way I've done it than it would have been if I'd have had to go all the way through the original course of treatment so praise God for that so it's been great it's been a good time and I've got a nice brother in partnership I have to say nice things his wife's here tonight <laughs> And the business has gone well because while well, I've been only able to do sort of office work and this, that and the other and, and, and things have been looked after and, and I've been well blessed and God's opened my eyes and shown me reality. He's shown me that life isn't about here and now, it's about eternity. That we're looking for a kingdom that isn't made with hands but a heavenly kingdom, aren't we? We're not building a kingdom here, it won't last. It's going to be destroyed sooner or later. And sooner comes quicker than you think. And all of these things are there, and I'm saying, well, come on, God, where do you want me to go? You think, great, this is marvellous. Do you know what? I've been more anxious this Christmas than I've ever been in all my life. Do you know why? I thought, this is ridiculous. I feel awful. I just got this feeling inside. I thought, no, it's the shingles making me feel like this. But it isn't. It was me. I was anxious. Why? I was anxious. Or I have been anxious. Still am a bit. Because things are going so well. <laughs> because after last year, I think, how long is it going to last? <laughs> it's not going to last long, is it? That's what the devil says. He brings in anxiety. You see these three terrible things that come in to our, our thought life. 
Resentment, because we think we can try this. Guilt, when we do try it. And then when we have got things going well, anxiety. Why? Why anxiety? Well, because I like this and I don't want to lose it. And my thought pattern, my theory for life was that I don't want to trust God with the future. I'd like to trust God with what I've got now. And I don't want him to change anything. I'm very anxious, you know. Made me think, how do we feel as a church at the moment? We're very anxious, aren't we? Aren't we well blessed at the moment by God? Isn't God still moving amongst us? Bringing his word to us? Bernard's been away quite a bit the last year. And still God's with us, although we've had 12 months of, of less input from Bernard than we've had before. We say, praise God. But we're, some of us are anxious, aren't we? We're anxious. Why are we anxious? Really, because we're not trusting God. If he's the God of now, he's the God of then. He's the God of the future. He was the only one who could deal with my past. Eh? I could be very anxious about my past. Goodness me. Praise God, he's buried it. Gone. Hallelujah. Same for you. And yet we look at the future and we're anxious. And it can eat away at us. Sometimes more when things are well than when they're bad. We should be excited. Oh, I've got 21 pages. I've got expectation. What is our expectation for life? We expect and want things to get better, don't we? Hmm? We expect and want things to get bigger. <laughs> we expect and want things to get healthier. I suspect as we get older, we don't get healthier. <laughs> Coming to that conclusion, <laughs> slowly. Do we really trust and believe in God's provision for us in the future? Do we live in the reality of the riches that God's got for us? Let's turn back to scripture. Back a page in Ephesians, if you've still got it open there. Chapter 1 and verse 18. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18. I pray also that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every title that can be given not only in the present age but in the age to come and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills everything in every way it says there at the start of what we read I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you might know okay. and I think that word in scripture to know carries more weight than just than just knowing just hearing about it you know but that that is a motivating knowledge something that moves us that turns us do we live in the reality of these riches that God has given us 
incomparable great power to all of us who believe. You know, in the last year, because of, of, of being involved with this illness, I've got involved with, with what we call nowadays power ministry, where we expect God to act and to do things for people. Praise God he does. Amen. Let's not go back on those things. Keep the eyes of our heart opened. Not let's say, well, praise God, we've, we've tasted of this. We've seen one or two. Let's move on with God. I want to see more people healed, more people saved, more people delivered, more people baptized in love. Not just one or two, not just to say, oh yeah, that's happened at our church, proudly. That's happening in his church with his people, God's people. What's it say at the end there? God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything which we had emphasized here which is it's his body the fullness of him that's Jesus who fills everything in every way and that's where we want to be as a church and I know that's where Boone and Chris want to be when they go to London with the church there they want Christ to be filling that place with his fullness in everything in every way amen or do we resent the fact that it's our church and we want to be part of what God's doing here do we or are we willing to step out the way and let God be what's doing here? You know? Do, are we really trusting in God's provision for, for us as a fellowship and for us as a church? Because I just wonder if some of us have got some preconceived idea about the way we would like God to act. <laughs> the elders wish they had got a preconceived idea. <laughs> you know, perhaps on Wednesday... It was necessary to come with a plan or with some idea of what we were going to do with the night. I'm sure that it was. It wasn't right just to come glibly. But praise God, God moved amongst us and God spoke. You know? And we need to hear and make note, and we have been tonight, of what God was saying. And praise God that, that, that God will do that. And we need to be open and acceptive and say, well, God, yeah, if you're going to do this and, and, and that's what you're saying, we'll do it. We're not fifth. We're not bothered that it's different. We're not even bothered if it's the same, you know, but that, but that it's what you're saying and it's what you want to do, you know. Fresh baptism, it's God who works in you to will and to do his people. Do we really believe this reality? You know, I believe that, that, that God wants us to feel renewed in our, ourselves tonight. <laughs> um, each of us, I believe, is significant. Hmm? The elders couldn't lead if there weren't people to lead. The deacons couldn't minister and serve if there weren't people to be serving. The, the leaders couldn't lead if there, if there weren't children in the Sunday school. You see, we, we've all got a function. We're all part of... of, of the, there's none greater or none lesser. It'd be no good preaching here tomorrow night. You know, be no people to share God's word with. Probably be cold as well. There's significance. It says in in uh, in, in that is it um, in Ephesians that verse that God we're God's particular people, peculiar people, isn't it? It says, but that means peculiar in the sense of being particular, not peculiar, peculiar. You know, you know, but peculiar because particular, peculiar. You know. That's a, 
Yeah, I'm particularly peculiar, yes. Uh, praise God for that. We've got personal significance. It is God who is working in you. I believe that every one of us is gifted in God in the area that God's given to us. There's places where you are going tomorrow, you're going tonight, that I can't go. You might say, praise God for that. <laughs> but you see, you're God's special ambassador in that place. And if your thinking is wrong, you're taking wrong thinking, wrong thoughts. If the devil's got that foothold in and got those doubts in, like he gets in my life so easily, then you're taking doubts to that place. You're not taking faith. You're not taking power. You're not taking ministry. You might be taking anxiety, guilt, you know. God wants to sort these things out with us. Each of us has, has, has got a place. We can't escape God's love, can we? I'm persuaded that neither height nor depth, you know, nor breadth nor length can separate me from the love of God. You're his. Praise God. You know, Tom said this morning, I believe in once saved, always saved, you know, and the love of God has got all to me. Praise God for that. <laughs> because my love falters towards him so often that serpent comes slithering along and tells me a tale or two and sometimes uh, I've, well oftentimes I fall foul of it but praise God we need to lift up our eyes and to really be hearing and seeing what God is saying we can't escape what's our purpose what's our purpose what is our expectation in Christ Let's look what Paul says about this 2 Corinthians chapter 12 yeah. We hear a lot about um, prosperity. I expect to be healthy. I expect to receive wisdom from God. I expect to prosper because I'm a Christian. And praise God, He's a good dad and He looks after us. Hey? You feel looked after by God and blessed by him, forgiven. And really, he wants to deal with our anxieties and he does want to deal with our resentments. And praise God, he wants to get rid of all our guilt. And I believe, you know, maybe there are those tonight that need to be dealt with. But what are our expectations in the future? What was Paul's vision in God? Chapter 12 and verse 10. Verse 9 and 10. Jesus said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power might rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Goodness me. And my thought life about my expectancy for me isn't like that. <laughs> but do you see where Paul was coming from? He was coming from a place where in God he expected himself to feel weak. He expected to be insulted for the sake of the gospel. He expected to be in places of hardship, in places of persecution, in difficulties. I don't want any of those. Do I? So when any of those things happen to me as a Christian, that makes Gordon a very miserable Christian. But do you see what I'm saying? Paul thought life was right. 
Yeah, when they came, it was no great shock to him. It didn't make him feel resentful. It didn't make him feel hard done by. God had transformed his mind. He wasn't affected by stinking thinking. I believe God needs to change my mind. I believe God needs to change a lot of our minds. He needs to blink some of our eyes, slow down some of our thoughts and our expectations. We're standing alongside Christ. He hadn't got a house. He hadn't got a name. He hadn't got a fortune. He didn't have a family. He's given us, allowed us, a lot of those blessings. And he doesn't want to take them away. But he wants us to get it in perspective. That his kingdom is a heavenly kingdom. The promises he's got for us are a renewal of our thinking. A renewal of our gratitude to him for what he's done to for what he's done for us. For Christ's sake, delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecution. That's tough, isn't it? It's hard for me. And yet really, when I was weak, when God took away my strength, and through partly the disease and partly what the doctors did to me, then you get stripped down to a point of of reality. And you think, well, yeah, what is there? I'm only going to gain Christ. I can't hang on to any of this. He's going to go. The devil could take you up onto the pinnacle of the temple and promise you this, that and the other. <laughs> he could take you up onto the spire of, um, of uh, the town hall and promise you bridge north or say you could have the new Sainsbury's or gateway or whatever it is, you know. Or he could, he could, uh, he, he could you know, I don't know what, where your dreams lie. You know, he could promise you these sort of things, but you can't take it with you. You've got to leave it. Reality is eternity. And the only thing that goes on into reality is relationship with God and relationship with one another. Relationship with the saints, the only thing we can take with us. At the point where I was feeling desperate and feeling deathly and feeling lost, the only things that meant anything were relationships. Relationship with God, relationship with my wife and with my brothers and sisters in God that grew in importance and filled the whole of my mind and life and there was the garden that God wants me to live in there was the area God wants me to build that was what God showed me so I wasn't expecting anything but weakness I wasn't expecting anything but insults or hardships or persecutions they were the daily dose difficulty was there but as long as those other things, the realities that God were there, nothing could take those away. Nothing. Neither height, nor depth, nor strength, nor distance, nor time. Those are the only things that are going to go on for eternity. And yet so often the devil, the serpent, says, just get a bit of that tree. It's all you need. It's all you need to avoid. <laughs> it's all you need to avoid. I just want to finish with a challenge. And this is nothing new either. Because <laughs> it was something that came to me while George Miller was here speaking at Christmas. It was very challenging about the lordship of Christ in our lives and allowing God to be king. 
Remember, Herod was disturbed by the news of the birth of Jesus. Herod was a believer, we were told. Herod knew that there was a king who was going to be born. Herod believed what the wise man came and said to him. We all believed it. But Herod took a desperate action, didn't he? He decided he would try and get rid of this baby that had been born to rule. So he had all the baby boys killed under the age of two years old. And he got rid of them. So that what? So that he could perpetuate his little kingdom in Judea. He didn't last long. Hmm? By the time Jesus was grown up, he'd gone. His son was reigning in his place, who was a right weak, lily-livered, cunning, rotten so-and-so that put my Lord and Saviour or allowed him to be put on that cross at Calvary and did all sorts of other despicable acts which are mentioned in Scripture and certainly in history. But this Herod, this Herod, he got a kingdom that he thought was worth preserving. And he tried to get rid of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords for his kingdom. But then the thought came to me, he didn't even really rule. He was only allowed to rule by the Romans. He wasn't really ruling. They thought, these Jews, they're such a queer lot. Their rules, their regulations, this Sabbath keeping and all these Levitical laws. We can't cope with this. We'll have to put somebody in in between who can take the rub because we don't understand. We'll let Herod rule. Look, Herod, you take charge of these people because we can't cope with them. They're so strange, <laughs> you know. And Herod was just put in as a puppet while the Romans really governed the state. And Herod's power was limited. And that spoke to me. I thought, you know, so often I think I can run my life. I'm in charge of my thinking and what I'm doing. But really what I'm doing is I'm being ruled by the devil. Yeah? It's him that's ordering that. There's parts of my life that, that belong to God and I myself surrender them to that serpent and give him a hole. And so we're in this battle. Who really rules in you tonight? In some of those areas of your life that perhaps need to be dealt with. Enemies. It says in Colossians, doesn't it? Colossians chapter 1. Enemies in your own mind. Yeah? There are enemies in our own mind. Just for a kingdom that can't last. That's the silliness of it. It can't last. I keep telling myself it can't last. You can get depressed, you know, telling yourself that. <laughs> you can. You can get very depressed telling yourself that because we want it to last, don't we? We want it to last. It's sad when an era of life comes to an end. You know, if we weren't thinking in terms of eternity, how do people cope? How do they cope with living? That used to be easy when I was a teenager. I used to think life goes on forever, like sermons, you know. <laughs> but, but when you when you get to this magic age of 40, or you get something happens that gives you a shock, like an illness, or, I mean, Willie knows the same, he had a a bit of an illness at one time in his life. And you, and you get this sort of shock in your life and then you suddenly think, gosh, you know, what's, what's happening here? What's happening here? And we 
trample underfoot the grace that God's given to us for the sake of something that we think is worth preserving. Oh, I just pray that God might be able to minister to us tonight and renew our minds out of this area of, of stinking thinking. That is why, for Christ's sake, we delight <laughs> in weakness. Yeah. What is our delight? Do we believe in God? Is he a Christian just because of all the good things he does for us? Here and now? Or because of his great and precious promises? No matter what the world might say or do, we are the children of God. We've got the power, the authority, and the right to be called children of God. And nobody can take that from us. And one day, when this world comes to an end and it all gets wrapped up, we'll stand before God justified by faith. Justified because of what he's done for us. Justified because of the death on the cross of Calvary of that Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. And God will say, come on in. I know you. I love you. You know, do you imagine the joy when you've had your quiet time in the morning and you snuff it at dinner time and then the afternoon and God says, I was just talking to you this morning. <laughs> nice to see you, you know. <laughs> yeah. But just imagine if you've been away from God and you haven't spoken to him for a few years and you come in and say, oh, great, it's good to be here. glad that I'm saved. And you say, oh, it's a pity you didn't speak to me more often. I haven't seen you for about five years, have I? When did you last listen to me? When were you last in my presence? You know, what a challenge. Kingdoms that cannot last. Don't let passing things rule over eternal things. Pray that God would get us into reality. Let's pray.